Welcome black. Uh, I said welcome black. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) We still white here. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say we we are like we are like a joke where you have like you know black guy, a white guy, and a Mexican looking guy walking to a bar. (laughs) A white guy, a black guy, and their friend walks into a bar. (laughs) And their mud friend. We're white here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, man! I've been fucking up too long. Okay, too soon. Too soon. (laughs) Uh, Let's get black to business. (laughs) Uh, White away. (laughs) Away. Welcome to Papa Don't Preach. I am Obi, and I'm here with my two favorite people, my co-hosts, Zan and Mitch. Zan, how you doing? I'm all right, man. I'm doing okay, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Mitch, how Appreciate you doing? Appreciate you <laughs> I'm doing better than Zan. I believe that. I can barely turn my neck. <laughs> oh, right. Uh, gentlemen, you know, this week I wanted to go into our main topic. I, for our main topic, I wanted to talk about education, child education, early education, what you guys did, what you suggest, what you experienced, you know, what the society is telling us to do. But first, I really want to dive into last week and kind of talk about, uh, you know, what's going on, see how you guys are doing, like how your week's gone. I know, uh, you know, Mitch, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, you know, every Every day has been the same, to be honest, uh, when it comes to just day-to-day life uh, inside of the house. Outside of this house, uh, obviously things are a little bit on the hectic side, but I've been good. We've been good. Um, how about you? Uh, I am I mean, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, the California is on fire. The Gulf got destroyed by two hurricanes that turned into what I perceive as a James Cameron movie of The Perfect Storm. Cops out here still shooting people in the back. The NBA went on strike. The WNBA went on strike first. Uh, kind of rocked the whole world. The RNC marched out a bunch of goose steppers to tell us that we weren't safe in Joe Biden's America while currently living in Donald Trump's America. And uh, I actually actually tried a uh, a uh, hard iced tea raspberry that was pretty pretty nice too. So you weren't iced, nerd. No, you actually I wasn't iced. It was drink that. It was voluntary. I was, you know, I, so just so you guys know, I'm, uh, I'm doing a, a sober, a, a sober 60. So for the next two, two months, I'm not going to drink. I'm just going to try and. You're just going to drink. Just try turn to off ice. Is that what? <laughs> no, I was, tr- I was trying a bunch of different alcohol, but like, you know, you know what? I don't want to talk to you guys. I've had a rough week. Zan, how was your week? Uh, 
Uh, it was okay. It could definitely be better. Definitely feeling the weight of everything that just like blew up right now. Um, found out my dad fractured his hip when he was trying to be clever and it bit him in the ass or on his leg or his hip. Uh, he was trying to pull down a palm frond by ratchet strapping it to a basketball pole at, in their backyard, but did not check to see that the bottom of the basketball pole was rusted and the basketball pole fell on him. Luckily, he moved a little bit. And uh, his hip replacement kept his hip from breaking further. So he just has a fracture. And we are making sure he does his due diligence to heal and not have to get surgery. Uh, Isabella also tripped and ripped off her fingernail. There's a lot of blood. She Yikes. has now perfected her ability to breathe, to calm herself down while she's in pain. <laughs> That's a plus. Whoa. And it's healing. And it's healing very fast. I pulled something in my neck, and uh, you know, so <laughs> a bunch of us are on the mend over here, <laughs> more mentally on my part than physically. <laughs> but, but I mean, like emotionally, uh, emotionally, how are you guys doing? Like, you know, I know that you know I'm almost becoming numb to seeing people getting gunned down in the streets and seeing all this civil unrest and seeing how it's spilling over into our lives every day and just kind of feeling helpless. But how are you guys doing? I mean, I'm, I'll jump in. I'm this past week was hard. It's hard. It's still going on. Um, not, I guess it wasn't the best time to stop smoking weed. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm, feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling the stress a little more. Uh, might be a combination of it, but it's bad. It's bad. And, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to still come at people with compassion that, that support, uh, the orange cancer, uh, in office. Um, and it's hard. It's hard. Mitch. Mitch. I love turtles. I like turtles. <laughs> turtle, turtle. Uh, uh, you know, like I, like I said before, it, it, the house households doing good. Um, you know, it is a little hectic with, uh, school right now with sailor. Uh, it's a new thing for, her, but obviously we'll discuss that a little bit later. Um, but, you know, Porter, Amanda and I and Sailor, you know, we moved up to Oregon. So honestly, we were pretty much quarantined up there prior to COVID just due to trying to save money. And so we, yeah, we're, we've been used to this since 2019. So the last two years just been fucking awesome. <laughs> so, but we're good. We're good. Uh, healthy. Um, we're alive. I'm still working, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Besides everything that's going outside of this household, you know, that's a whole other <clears throat> that's completely different ball game. But um, right now, you know, I'm just making sure wife and kid and the rest of the family are are safe, and that's it. That's all I can do right now. Oh, Obi, Obi. Uh, yeah, I'm just drained. I. I'm trying to think back on my the last week and the only like notable happiness that I had is, you know, uh, ordering a squid inked dumpling that was stuffed with lobster. Mm. It seemed interesting and it was delicious. That sounds amazing. How many? How many came with the order? Uh, I, I came with four. Okay. Yeah, I came with four. Like one, one biters, one biters, or did or the you know there, did you have to? Well, for Obi, they're one biters, but each. normal people would be yeah, normal people <laughs> there'll be two biters, but you know me, uh, I'm a glutton. 
I mean, I'm just, I take huge bites and it's like, I need to have all the flavor in my mouth at once. <laughs> I understand. There, sh- so there I should it. be, un- there should be universal portions that are agreed upon. You know, like, like you have a slider burger, like, don't get me started about how some restaurants will, I'm like, Hey, let me get an order of sliders. And they give you two. And I'm like, I said an order of sliders. There better three. be three or four of those motherfuckers. Like, right. <laughs> what are you doing with two? Somebody eat a slider on the way to the table. But yeah, there should be like universal portions and be like, this is a two biter. This is a, a three biter. This is a one biter, like whatever. But anyway, it's all about educating the, you know, the public, our surroundings. And that's our main topic today. So you guys, let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's educate ourselves. Yeah, we got it. Okay, so our main topic today is education, and I kind of want to pick your guys' brains, find out what you're doing, especially, you know, in these new times that we're living in. Uh, I know right now, early learning for toddlers is very important. Uh, You know, some people have childcare, some people do preschool for three and four-year-olds, and I just kind of want to find out what you guys have been doing with your kids to prepare them for school. And, you know, Zan, before I go, I want to start with you. You have the youngest, you know, mm-hmm. what are, do, do you have any daily routines that you're using to educate yourself or that you're using with Izzy to kind of, you know, further hurt us, you know, you're trapped in the house basically. So what are you doing? Yeah. Um, the main thing that we've been doing, she'll be two at the end of September, but from the second she popped out, um, we just were narrating her life and reading to her as much as possible. Um, there's a book that I read called 30 million words that just highlights the importance of exposing them to language as much as possible from the get go. And, um, I just would read everything that I'm reading to her, uh, while she's eating lunch or breakfast. So we'll, we'll read books to her, her like kids books and other kinds of books. But, um, that's been the main thing as she's, uh, grown some um we've started um, doing numbers and colors and just trying to you know introduce her to these things um for the longest time every color was green which is normal (laughs) (laughs) or like they latch onto one color (laughs) and that's what every color is but now she's been um being being able to she's able to distinguish the different colors um but yeah i mean there isn't a hard schedule we have at all because she's not even two yet but the whole thing is we just try to make sure that it's fun for her no matter what we're doing um and if she gets tired or distracted from it we don't really like push her to sit there right now i mean that will obviously change she's gonna start daycare like an outdoor daycare outdoor indoor daycare near us um when she's two um and they've they've reduced the size the class size amounts i think like six kids per um age group something like that um so you know places near us are making the adjustment um 
but constantly just, you know, just speaking to her, reading to her, and, and she loves it. We started having her watch some Sesame Street things just so she could, um, you know, since she's not getting as much kid time as, as she normally would, so she could mm-hmm. still at least see that interaction so she's not in <laughs> a little weirdo. Do you, do you and Tanya, do you and Tanya have to get tested before you enter your child into daycare? They're just kind of like, let's do this. Um, no, they do take temperatures of the kids every time, every day when they go. Um, she'll just be going three days a week for like just for a few hours. Um, uh, we've been getting tested just, you know, maybe once or uh, every two weeks, just, um, cause you know, we see our, our parents and, it's very easy to get tested and you know why not just for peace of mind what yeah test like results were taking a lot longer is it is, is i've been it, getting them like Cal- the day after quick. i think california is super quick i've i've had well, to find you- different places i i used to use baseline but now i found another place that gets me results within 48 hours so that's cool well so zan with you and tanya getting tested so often like are you guys like going oh, we're out, partying, man. Oh yeah, we're fucking. Partying. Well, no, no, not like that. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I mean, be, I mean, I don't, no, no, yeah. I don't understand why you'd be getting tested so often unless you're around. We're so we're generally not, know. but we no, we're around. We're only around people we know. Um, but sometimes it's, uh, you know, we'll you see guys just take different groups at different times. We're just trying to be yeah. precaution. Like my my yeah. mom has diabetes. My dad, you know is older also it's just it's just and we have like immune compromised people in our families that we aren't actually seeing but it's just it's also just for peace of mind it's not costing anything it's really easy to go do it um yeah just why not well like i know one thing like i'm in a particularly weird situation because you know my son's in minnesota he's like you know 3500 miles away from me or I don't know how far far Minnesota is from here. Maybe like six thousand miles. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I think fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> I have I have no idea. Two thousand miles from California. Three thousand miles. I have no My idea. My son's in Minnesota. With pretty, I mean, he's eight hundred thousand miles away. Which I mean, that's an emotion. Well, yeah. I only make left turns, so it takes me a while to get there. <laughs> Oh, Zoolander, you crazy SOB. (laughs) Well, like, so one thing, like, his mom is killing it. Like, she does paintings with him, like, building blocks and uh, numbers. And every morning we Zoom. And, you know, I have a bunch of games that I've uh, compiled that we go through. There's, like, counting games. So he knows a few numbers. I, I do the, I have him repeat the alphabet with all these animations. So he gets, he has some fun with that. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because when we first started this, you know, it was new to the both of us and trying to keep a two-year-old's attention on a computer is wild. Like I, when we first started this, you know, I had crazy hats, funny glasses, clown masks. And I was like basically putting on a show and it was exhausting. And I didn't know what he was getting out of it except for entertainment. Cause he wasn't actually seeing me. He'd be like, look at all these funny guys on the screen. <laughs> um, but then when I kind of like buckled down and did the research, I was like, okay, look, there is uh, a way I can do this. That would be beneficial for him. And still it'd be coming from me. So, you know, it's, he's learning. Uh, I know when, oh, like when before coronavirus, like, 
we had a daycare that we would take him to. He was just there three days a week, four hours a day, like from eight to 12 or eight to one. And, you know, the main reason we did that was to give his mom a break, but also so he can be around other kids. And it was it's funny. So important. It was, it was very important. One of the funny things is like, you know, we were in Boyle Heights, you know, it was hot. It's like 80% Latino. And, uh, he kept, he came home and he would just be like, Iche, Iche. And I'm like, what the hell is this kid saying? Yes. But, yeah. So we found out like when he wanted milk, he would say Iche because like the ladies there would say Leche, you know, they'd be like, oh, Leche. Oh, leche. Uh... And they would only speak to the kids in Spanish. And I didn't realize that my kid's first language was starting to be Spanish. And like, he would say <laughs> all this awesome. stuff. <laughs> he would start saying all this stuff to me. I was like, man, this something's wrong with this baby. Like, I got to take it back. I, don't, <laughs> I think they switched this baby. I think I got a Dominican when they popped out. Like, this is not my kid. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I'm still learning a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to keep my ear to the ground and uh, listen around and hear what other people are doing and try to apply it. But, you know, I guess this is a perfect time for you, Mitch, because, you know, you've been through all of this already and you, right. and now you're going into the thick of it. Like, so like, yeah. what, so Mitch, like what, what specific things do you remember doing with Sailor up to now before, before school started? Oh, well, and one question on top of that, what, what was like the hardest thing to teach her also? <sighs> honestly there, there, has, there hasn't well there hasn't been something that's been too hard to teach her when she actually pays attention mm-hmm. um the the big our biggest problem has been getting her to keep that focus and right now it's become especially difficult uh with everything that's going on um you know like you how uh ob you had brought up earlier you know a, a child staring at a computer screen for so yeah. long. So Sailor got into, you know, we were lucky enough, obviously, before all this happened, uh, we had her in preschool at three. And so we were planning on having her go for uh, when she was three and four, we ended up moving to Oregon. Things didn't work out. And we, you know, we just didn't put her uh, back in kindergarten. So during that time, uh, I was either ordering, um, you know, learning things off of uh, like the internet and having brought, um, you know, over to where Amanda and I, we would mo- mostly Amanda, uh, because she'll pay more attention with her and try to, uh, she, she doesn't she, love she, you, Mitch. <laughs> no, she does. She just, she just knows uh, she likes to play when it's with me. So it's like, you know, I'm trying to get her to words that, uh, for her to recognize, you know, like the, he, Sight she, yeah. stuff like that. You, you know, there's a good chance while I'm if when I'm trying to do it, she's just going to tackle me. like that's just and it's like come on give me give me two minutes but you know what i get it because i am the same way i have terrible add uh so does amanda but uh (laughs) so yours is worse (laughs) oh mine's definitely worse but um yeah since since she started school uh three weeks ago each week's actually gotten a lot better you know, the first few days was just rough, um, more so for Amanda because I was working in the bedroom uh, from home and Amanda is now, you know, Billy, Billy Madison and having to go back to school. So she, I mean, whenever this is done, got you know, Amanda is going to graduate a few grades a few times. 
<laughs> you know, bravo for her. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so right now, you know, it is Monday through Friday. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, um, Thursday, Friday are only about three hours a day. But Wednesdays are a six-hour day broken out into two different time frames. Oof. So which, you know, tomorrow's the first time where she it, – it's six hours out of the day. And Amanda's like, oh, you know, I called the school. You know, I, I don't know, like, if she's going to be able to handle it. I'm like, well, look, we got to try it. And I know it's more or less like Amanda at the same time just being like, dude, I got to sit in there for six hours. <laughs> That's a lot, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I couldn't do it. I know. I, so kudos to the wifey. I love you. And uh, yeah, I, I, but when she was younger, we played, we played a ton of games, um, uh, a memory game, or like she likes to call it concentration with a deck of cards, you know, pretty much just where you got to make, um, try to make that match of a, uh, the same card. And she's yeah, just... her, her memories nuts. Like, I think she's not paying attention. And then this kid will just, and I'm I'm saying like the full deck's pretty much still out there, and we've only seen, you know, eight to ten cards total, and then just randomly every single time she will just bust out like six or seven matches back to back to back, and you're like, what? You were watching TV, like you weren't even paying attention. You just know they're so, always paying attention. Oh, always. It, I mean, it's. I mean, they definitely hear everything. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. Swear, swear jar. Sure. <laughs> oh, man. Well, like, oh. uh, so, like, so do you guys wonder, like, how much of the interaction with other children are important? I know that. I think that's so important. Incredibly. It's the There's one been that a I think lot it's of, the most. Go ahead. One thing that I always wanted to find out the actual importance of was how important it is for kids to be around their peers. And I know it's important, but I wanted to find out, you know, like what you guys think about the setting. Like, I know if you have a big family that have kids around the same age, or maybe you live in a neighborhood with a bunch of kids, you have like a big network of parents that might be helpful. But like, do you think the setting matters? Oh yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I think it teaches kids, uh, I mean, being in a school environment, you know, I think it would teach Sailor a lot more, a lot more discipline Yeah, to where she has, like, you have to sit and you have to sit there and you like, you have to listen. Like there's no, there's no sands or buts. Being there with other kids, seeing them do that, it, you know, I don't want to say that you don't want your kids always just following, falling in line and following what everyone else is doing, but in that setting, that's you know, it's important. So it helps them do that as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I know, I know, like, did you guys have the homeschool kids ever when they, when you were in school that just showed up <laughs> out of nowhere? There was, they always fell into yeah. two categories. You know, there was, I remember <laughs> there was this one girl that was homeschooled and there was this one kid that and it was homeschooled that ended up joining two years later after this girl. And this girl, like, you know, when she came like, Oh, this girl was homeschooled. You know, she was like this worldly, like articulate, super smart. Like, you know, she was teaching all of us about things we didn't know. Like she had the coolest hats and like the way she wore her clothes were so cool. And we're like, man, this homeschool kid is so, 
She's just so mature. And then two years later, this homeschool guy showed up. And we thought, oh, yeah, we're getting a, another worldly individual. And this dude was a dud. Like, he just showed up and, like, you know, wide-eyed, was just had no idea how to interact with people, didn't know how to speak. You know, they all ended up being okay. Like, but it was still, like, such a stark contrast. And, like, you know, one kid traveled a lot. The other kid didn't travel a lot. Like, there was just such a difference. But you know, basically all our kids are going to be homeschooled until this shit blows over. So like, I, I'm always trying to, I'm just trying to figure out like, like what that, what's that's going to mean? Like, you know, we got the COVID kids coming here, you know? Yeah. We're, we're grateful, you know, for where we are at, um, in our little community. Um, Sailor has a ton of friends around here, so she still has interaction with kids her age. Um, obviously there's no learning going on. They're just playing, but no, but that's learning. There's learning going on. They're learning how to socialize, how to, she's learning. She's learning that she shouldn't be doing things that other kids are doing. That's for damn sure. (laughs) (laughs) You don't bring that crap over here. You will your daughter's not old enough. (laughs) Give it time player. Give it time. (laughs) No, I meant meant like, never mind. Yeah. Get your heirloom tomatoes out of here. Zan adults are talking. Hey, I had some great zucchini squash that popped oh, up. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, mail them to you. I'll mail them to you guys. Okay. And my cherry tomatoes are, are delicious. You make <laughs> me want to put tasty. my head through my glass table. Uh, you use your blood as a dressing. <laughs> well, I'm joking. Send them to me. My wife will love them. You know, um, you know, I, you guys, I went down like a big statistics hole on the internet. Uh, per, you know, before we went and talked about this uh, on the on the World Wide Web, you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, I'll, there's it's so crazy how the opinions differ about early learning. Like if the consess, the one consensus that everybody agrees on that, you know, exposing your kid to their peers and learning how to interact is very helpful. But as far as early learning goes, like preschool and child care they're not going to be any farther ahead when it comes to learning. And, you know, there's a bunch of factors to that. Like it, it could be the community that they're in, the curriculum they're in, if they go to private school, if they go to public school, but it doesn't seem to help educational. Well, uh, like, uh, I don't even know what the word is because, you know, I had a bad education, but uh, <laughs> that's not true. Lycée Francais. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did. I did go to a French boarding school. I forgot everything I learned. I got in a lot of trouble there, but uh, that's for that's for a different pod. But yeah, like I I went to pre. I know that I went to preschool, and I have vague memories of preschool. And like, I remember that it was very fun. Like, I don't. Rem- I remember when I went to the lycée and started kindergarten. I went from a school where you know we all had matching fun T-shirts and we played games and every day was a new event or a new thing that we were doing. And we, you know, in class, we had to like sit with our friends. And then the very next year, it's called a cold. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The very next year I was at a friend's school and I had my blazer, my slacks, my tie, my button up shirt. We sat at a desk. We had to get up and we had to say the pledge of allegiance. And then we said the French, we had to do the French national anthem, like back to back. And, you know, our, we didn't ever leave the class. So our teachers were the ones that rotated, which was kind of mm. nuts. Like we never left. So the bell would ring and all the, the teacher would get up and like the kids would sit on their desk and we'd kind of socialize for five minutes while our teachers cycled and went to different classes. 
Yeah, but how many kids are going to remember which class they go to next? Well, I mean, that was that was from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade. That was all the way to fifth grade. Like that's just how the school was run. Yeah, because kids are delinquents. They wouldn't have gone. They wouldn't have walked her to their next class right away. Yeah, that's true. I would have ran out of campus just like take off my tie, Ferris Bueller style. (laughs) I want to get free. Uh, but here, here's a crazy question for you guys. Now, right now, there's a lot that goes into early learning and who has access to it and who doesn't. So one thing that I know that I've been pushing for, like, you know, when I when I'm out there now, I, I, before I even had a kid, like one thing I thought is that child care is something that should be provided, you know, uh, especially with a rise, like a huge rise in dual income households where both parents are working. It's very, very hard, not only to pay for your mortgage or your rent, groceries, your utilities, your cell, your your cell phone, your cable, your internet, your car, you know everything that you have. But then adding the fact that you have to pay for childcare or you know daycare or preschool with something that's not taking your kids for eight hours a day, where you can actually plan around it, it's a financial burden and. You know, there is a lot of stress on families that need access to it. But do you guys think that's something that should be figured out locally, like between communities or federally? I think think it should be federally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a long term look. I mean, you say like uh, you have dual incomes now, but, but, you know, for most people, wages aren't going up as they should be. Um, So you're feeling those stresses even more. Um, in, in nations outside of the U.S. that do have that that public service for for families from uh, it's pre-K, right? Yeah, from yeah. pre-K and beyond, it gets people back into the like women back into the workforce sooner if they want to do that. Um, and it in the research that's coming out for kids and for kids doing that, yes, they're not you know being educated in the uh, in like the school sense, but that socialization. <laughs> And play that they're having is just so important for their brains. It's so important. It's so important. I mean, it's it's and it's interesting how they're with the idea of education and childcare. They're seen as two different things. And you know, some educators kind of look down on childcare in the U.S. at least. Um, and you see that in how in I mean, in, in uh, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, because you, you went on a rant. I, I did. I I pulled a Mitch. Anyways, you it's seen as right of the actual original question. <laughs> no, that is no, that's so on point. I'm so on topic. Okay, <laughs> um, it's just seen as less important. Important, um, and I'm glad that you know something that Biden is wanting to propose is to have you know early childhood care and elderly care on, on his platform. If it happens, hopefully it does, but. Um, yeah, it's it ha- it should happen. It's it's just for the long term. We have to look at long term, Jesse, from an economic point of view as well. You know, it's better. I'm done. Yeah, I just look at it as we did not take care of our people. Um, we just pretty much, you know, with COVID, it was borderline. Hey, schools are still going to start. Figure it out. And if you can't, then that's good luck. You know, we just. Pretty much, yeah, we, there was nothing, there was no consideration of other people 
um, when it came to this. And, you know, if you, I grew up, both my parents worked, you know, we were lucky enough to have a live-in nanny. So if this would have happened and both my parents were working, I still would have been able, you know, if I was in this situation, I would have been okay. Knowing that, you know, in uh, our county, Ventura County, you know, uh, 6,000 kids aren't able to even be in kindergarten due to their home not having internet, uh, they don't have a computer, they don't have an iPad, or they don't have someone to sit with the child to, you know, be in school. And that is, right. that's just absolutely terrible. I mean, and that, it's not even, I mean, I don't know what the actual numbers are for probably even like first or second, third graders are either. You know, it's, we really, there was no thought at all on there there was no thought uh, uh, no solution no, no, nothing was even proposed i feel like or nothing i didn't hear of anything i should say uh maybe there was but um i definitely didn't hear of it and i, I feel terrible for these kids absolutely yeah. terrible it's we had horrible. we had plenty of time to prepare for the school year and i do agree like there was like, we let you know our our government our administration current administrators in like really 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 let the american people down i think that it was he's gonna open them well like no, even, no, if, no, even no, if that was the thought no even, we're gonna if the thought, even if the thought was to open like acquiring extra facilities like getting proper bus routes pumping money into schools that needed it to make that happen is something that shouldn't have been figured out last month it should have been figured out in april they should have been working on that once we had to close down schools because of this virus you know, but, like, we open, but we opened up, but we opened up the economy. That's the thing. We opened back up for a second. What does that have to do with anything? Be, because that, what do you mean? It has everything to do with everything. We opened up and everyone just was like, Oh, COVID's gone. It wasn't because we opened <laughs> the economy. It's because they just denied that this thing was happening. Well, okay. I agree with you on that, but what I'm saying, like what I, I maybe I, said it wrong you like, did like, you said it completely <laughs> wrong i'm gonna yeah you, jerk you really mitch this up i'll keep it i in. love it. i love doing this this podcast is fun <laughs> No, uh, me and Zan just got together. Like, yo, let's roast Mitch for an hour every week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. No, but, but yeah, I understand what I understand what you're saying, Mitch. Like, oh, you understand what I'm saying, but okay. No, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but yeah, like saying like, oh, it's because it was very sarcastic. I don't understand what you're. I understand what you're saying. Like, the point I'm trying to make is that we had a lot of time to prepare for this. And they let us down by trying to play politics or, uh, you know, play to the ego of whoever sits in the White House just to get their numbers up or secure a second term. Like, and now kids are suffering because of it. And, you know, childcare, like same thing that I'm dealing with right now, you know, it affects me is like, I'm in a position where my son is halfway around the, uh, halfway across the country and the entire family is afraid of putting him in childcare because they're immuno there's people who are immunocompromised in our family. And so it's like, right. What are we going to do? I mean, I feel like every, every, 
every family has someone that could possibly that is that can easily be compromised like that's the thing and i don't know it's just it's frustrating to think that no serious thought really came through or anything was nothing was pushed it was all just one side one side and regardless of what side you ever want to sit on too many people are going to take the wrong one so well a good way to help ourselves in the future is when it comes to education one thing i think is going to help is we are a product of the way we were raised and the way that we are taught and we are so we are very very divided because kids aren't taught about the correct history and you know yeah it would be very naive to say that it's going to change soon so it's going to be on parents and i think that when it does come to when your kid comes home from school even at 4 or 5 you know starting to introduce race religion even uh people who disagree or why people are angry, like these things. Cause you know, I have, I got friends that are kids that are talking about this stuff. Kids that are five, six, seven that are asking their parents why they're so sad or like why they're like, Oh, what do you mean somebody got shot? Or what do you mean there's a riot? Or why can't I go outside? You know, like we can't protect our kids forever. And I think that, uh, you know, if we are going to start early learning, which I think is very, very helpful emotionally for children so they can learn how to deal with those emotions we can't deny them and try and protect them from everything like unfortunately it sucks there was a time where you could be a kid and that time is that light is burning out and i'm not saying that it's shortening i'm not saying that you know you can't have fun or everything but the real world is coming at us and it's a disservice not to prepare our children for it yeah and one thing like that i don't I, i don't know how many people are people are talking about aside from just the education side but the stress that this whole situation is putting on kids that they wouldn't normally feel or you know stress that they do feel from their home life that is just you know uh, that's uh, exaggerated because of their you know their family's stress and that's one thing that we're trying to do we're trying to keep we're fortunate to be able to keep isabella from you know our stresses about the situation for the most part, but it's, you know, it's that stress has an impact. It, it, it will, it is. And um, I, yeah. I just feel for, I feel for him. Mitch, weren't you yeah. mentioning something about this uh, school district in Ventura County? Like, aren't they having a huge problem with this? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's huge. And like I said, that's, you know, it's, it's just really sad that you, that kids are not able to, you know, be with one another. Um, and the fact that, even if they were able to get a little bit of education, you know, for these three hours a day, say just kindergarten, for example, where there's 6,000 kids in material, like I said, um, it's due to that family, like two people have to work, but they still can't afford internet or they can't afford a, you know, a, a computer iPad. It, it's, it's, it's frustrating, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And, you know, I I'm very very fortunate to where I'm still working, even though I am working from home. And Amanda is able to sit in that room with Sailor, mm. and because you know Sailor for you know the first you know week at least, you know she'd give a good solid five minutes, and she's like, "Yeah, well, I want to do this." <laughs> it's like, "No, yeah, I need you to 
pay attention to the Zoom. And the teacher, you know, I feel bad for the teachers as well because this is all, you know, thrown at them as well. This is a completely different way of teaching. Uh, Amanda has said, has given nothing but, you know, amazing praise to Sailor's teacher with what, everything that she's tried to come up with um, for the kids to try and, you know, teach this way. This is, this is a completely way of teaching as well as learning. So it's a learning curve for everyone right now. Right. Yeah. And you know, this is what we, I mean, I think this is where you'll really find out who's, who's a solid teacher who actually still cares about the kids. Um, and so far, you know, Amanda loves sailor's teacher. So, Hopefully this, you know, the luck on this side continues. But yeah, we we've had plenty of conversations about everything that's going on, and we, I mean, it's just shitty. There's yeah. there's no other way, there's no other way of putting it. It's just this is a shit situation that is continuing to the shit ball is getting fucking shittier. <laughs> the shit ball. <laughs> All right, well, guys, we're out of time right now. I really appreciate you. Uh, kind of help me work through this education portion but uh we'll be right back with our last segment but this is papa don't preach stick around Welcome back to Papa Don't Preach. Shout out to our one listener. Ooh, ooh. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thank you all for sticking around. This is our final segment before we leave you for the evening. It is called Papa's Pulpit. It's where we all get together and kind of rant about the things that are bothering us, things that are rubbing us the wrong way, things that we just need to get off our chest. But we're going to go ahead and start with you, Mitch. What's your pulpit? What's irking you? Uh, just the we have lost... Uh all guidelines for any type of civil discourse. Um, that's any, I know we're in a rough time, but you know, people are taking every, everyone goes on the defense for any conversation, even if you're just asking a question to either try to gain information or anything like that. So that's been literally driving me crazy because it's turned into, I feel like it's just like an argument and I'm like, I'm not trying to argue with you. All I did was ask you a stupid fucking question. Jesus. And now I just want you to shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, that's what's been bugging me. Just the way we handle a lot of things in, uh, as of late um, as a country. And yeah, that's it. Fuck you. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, that bothers me. I know a lot of people like that, just waiting for their chance to talk, talking over people, not trying to hear each other. It's just, it's all gone these days and with good reason. But, you know, there should be a little more concentration on how we deal with each other because each other, we're the only ones that are going to change this. You know, we can't just rely on other people to do it for us. Um, right, right. Well, uh, Zan, I'm going to wait for you. All right. Because I got to get something off my chest real quick. And I'm actually glad because I think that me shouting into the void had some changing, some changes. Uh, so my pulpit is streaming services kind of doing their best to keep their fingers on the pulse of the climate right now with all the civil unrest and the protests going on and the rise of the BLM movement. Uh, you know, on Amazon, on Prime, on Hulu, I see these sections that are like telling black stories, 
And I went down the other week and I clicked on, you know, to show black stories. And the first movie that popped up was Space Jam. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay, maybe they just, all right, let me look at the next one. It was Dr. Doolittle. I was like, all right. And then it was Wild Wild West. And I'm like, okay, these ain't black stories, man. What the fuck? These aren't black stories. Like, let's let's take a step back and let's educate each other on what black cinema is, what black excellence is, and let's raise that up. Like, I don't want these honky-dory fucking movies that have one black character in it. You know, like, it just, it doesn't make any sense. But I think that they recognize, I think somebody at Amazon got fired because I recently opened it up uh, and, you know, on Prime, the one that, the section that said tell black stories was now broken down into recognizing black leads. So they have like Creed, Dr. Doodle, Doolittle, Space Jam, Troop Zero, uh, Down to Earth, like those movies that have black leads in them, they're in a separate section. Then they have like telling black stories. So you have fences uh the clark sisters dope the hurricane you know now you have now we're getting back into it and then the one that kind of rubs me the wrong way was celebrating black cinema so when they say you're celebrating black cinema i'm assuming they meant like movies that are black directors or blacks you know uh black situations like something that uh, elevates the culture but in that section it's just like roots Amistad, 12 Years a Slave. I'm like, oh, okay, this seems like American history section. Like, I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not trying to be on this one right now. That's not... Was uh, 42 on there anywhere? Uh, I haven't seen 42 on here, but I know that the they had black classics. You had, like, Coming to America, Waiting to Exhale, Sister Act, Love and, ba- uh, Love and Basketball, uh, The Heartbeaters, Inkwell, uh, Soul Food, Set It Off. I don't know. Have you guys seen the movie Set It Off? I want to say so I have. All, it was an all-female lead. It was Queen Latifah, Jada Pickett-Smith, uh, I think Vivica oh, Fox. They robbed, they, they rob, right? Yeah, they robbed the bank. They robbed like, bank? Yeah, that like, movie's badass. That movie is so badass. It is so badass. And, like, I'm, I, I need more movies like this. You know, like, I need more movies that tell black stories that – you know, like when Soul Food came out, you know, it was like, oh, that's pretty good for a black movie. But like, it wasn't like a black movie. It was like a movie that told a story about a family that a lot of people can, you know, they can like, like not sympathize, but they can relate to a movie like that. Like the black American experience is so much different than the African American experience. And sometimes they just smash that shit together. And it really, really bugs me. Like black people are not some type of, they're not like a monolith. It's not a singularity of what a black person is. Like you could be raised in Flint, Michigan in an all white neighborhood or be uh, from Oregon in all black neighborhood. Like there's, so many different types of black people. If you're in the South side of Atlanta, you're going to be surrounded by a bunch of Nigerians and Ghanans. You know, like if you're in Tallahassee, that's a whole different type of black person. Most of those people are trash except for T-Pain. Shout out to T-Pain. <laughs> but I'm saying right now, like I'm glad that they're trying to do this, but it really rubs me the wrong way. Cause I feel like the other person on the other side of this screen is a white guy that went on Google and said movies with black people on them. And he stuck them in one section. And that shit is very, very insulting. That's my pulpit. I'm angry now. I'm a Mitch now. What about Stomp the Yard? I love that movie. All right, we're gonna mute Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just I just watched Drumline and I I I love that movie. I I hate Nick Cannon, but I love that movie. <laughs> okay, so you're gonna okay, so you are going to praise Drumline but not Stomp the Yard. Yeah, Gosh, yeah, you're the worst. <laughs> yeah, listen, man. Was it was it Arm? Was it who was it, who was the was it Michael B. Jordan, right? And Stomp the Yard was it? Yeah, was no. it was it Omarion? No. No, uh, no, no, Marion's not in that either. It's uh, who's in uh, who's in Stomp the Yard? Good movie. I don't want the, the dude. The dude that looks like The Rock, but he's not The Rock. <laughs> what? <laughs> what is that? I do tell, Mitch. Do uh, tell. Uh, well, Megan Good's in it. I know she Neo. Good. I know Neo's in it, and I know Neo's Megan Good's in it. it. But I don't remember the who the lead was. Columbus Short. Columbus oh Short. shit! Columbus, yeah, Short. Columbus Short, that Chris dude can Brown dance. Neo, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, Stop the Yard did have some goosebump parts where I'm like, yeah, you know. Uh, but like, I'm definitely, uh, like, I'm definitely gonna say Drumline. I'm gonna say Drumline over Stomp the Yard for sure. Oh uh, hell no! We're gonna have to take a poll. We're gonna have to take no. a poll. Uh, I, I, that's just me. Uh, You're wrong. I don't care what you, you, know, <laughs> you get negative points for that one. It's like agree to disagree. No, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, no, you're wrong. <laughs> something I will stand by. Um, all right. So Zan, uh, take us home, man. What's been irking you? Tell us. Step up to the pulpit. Um, there are a couple things. The first thing I'll make it quick. We've been dealing with this for a little while. The the term carbon footprint. Uh, that has been, you know, hammered into us. So we're, you know, as individuals, we need to make sure that we are aware of our carbon footprint and what we're doing to the environment and the waste we're making, uh, which is something I think is important that we need to be aware of and try to, you know. Yeah, what's wrong make. with that? That's good. That's all good. But it, the or uh, the origins of it are from a PR marketing scheme from BP Oil. What? And Right. So <laughs> one I of thought the, it was Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, I think he has pushed it unknowingly, <laughs> or he might be part of the conspiracy. I, I don't know. People can, you know, dive into that if they want. Um, but, you know, it's, you know, these guys are destroying the earth, uh, not really putting much uh, money or effort into renewables on their end. Um, and as a way to, you know, try to shift the, the blame, they came up with this marketing scheme to put it onto us to where we're thinking about, Oh, our impact. And, you know, the less that we pollute, the better we feel about it. And it's worked. I mean, it's, it's all over the place now. And, you know, you have your carbon footprint calculators. And again, it's important for us to be mindful of that, but the only way we're going to see real change from this is if uh, in a positive way for the environment is if industry changes uh, something that needs to happen for that to take place is to end lobbying, to end Citizens United. Um, that's another story, but that is all tied into it. Uh, it, it just infuriates me. Um, but the other thing going back to education is uh, I, I don't think property tax and school funding should be related in any, in any way. Um, uh, in California... I think there's only 10% funding comes from the federal government. Um, but with that situation, you're going to have better schools in more affluent areas because of the property taxes. And in lower income areas where there's more rent, more people renting, 
you're not going to get that property tax. It's not going to come mm. in. Um, and it's just, it shouldn't be tied to that. We should be putting money into our education system, not, uh, not uh, for choice education, whatever that is. Uh, that is a whole sham. That's another thing we can talk about next time or another time or never or whenever. Um, but yeah, it shouldn't be tied to property tax. We should be providing, you know, great schooling for every every individual in America. So, uh, you know, we help our future out. And it's uh, it's crazy. So, Zan, what are you doing to change any of this? What am I doing? Not yeah. enough. Not enough. I mean, I'm trying to continue to educate myself and the people around me. Um, trying to vote for the right people. Um but there's definitely more that can be done. I mean, it's kind of overwhelming. Um, yeah, it's very much overwhelming. It's, a, it's just making sure that, you know, the right people are going into office and, um, and ending, 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 you know, uh, I guess, democratic loopholes, I guess. I don't know if that's the right term, but, you know, like Citizens United. Um, yeah, Citizens yeah. United should be bye-bye. Yeah, the, yeah, it's insane. Um so, yeah, I, there's a lot more I can be doing and I'm working on it. And, uh, you know, what about you, Mitch? What are you fucking doing? I'm not, I'm not crying about carbon footprints, bro. <laughs> yeah, just... he, Mitch, Mitch, is, <laughs> Mitch is upset because he's arguing with his friends. All right, leave him alone. <laughs> I want to put gas into my Chevy Nova. <laughs> Take Mitch's guns it. away. A... <laughs> no, you're not taking my guns away. My and, I want my, and I want my Chevy Nova back. <laughs> Leave it. It's a beautiful car. Well, hey, uh, cool. you guys. So, you know, one thing before we before we end, you know, this has been a very, very, very rough week, and I just want to take a minute before we sign off that uh, we lost a juggernaut in Hollywood, in my opinion, the last week. Um, we lost Chadwick Boseman, and you know, there's a lot that I think I've learned in his death that I wish I knew in his life. You know, I was a very big fan of him. I loved 42. I loved five bloods. I loved, loved black Panther. You know, I haven't seen the story, like the Thurgood Marshall story that he did. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm going to watch it. But the fact that this guy, you know, was suffering in silence and continuing to show up to work and reaching out to the communities and, uh, I heard an audio that um, I'm going to try and put up here and play when we end is an interview that he did that he was in contact. He was in contact with these two kids that were very excited about Black Panther and very, very excited for him to come out. And this emotional interview that he gives kind of explaining like, you know, that he was living for these kids and that they were terminal and he would go visit and he stayed in contact with them. You know, I remember that interview. I remember the audio from it. It was very heart red, heartbreaking. But to know that this guy was also suffering from a terminal illness and knew that his days were numbered, kind of shines a light not only to how amazing of a person that he was, but it also sheds a light that we don't know what people are going through. We don't know mm -hmm. how people are suffering and that, you know, we should treat everybody with respect, expect the best from ourselves and each other. And, you know, uh, I'd like to, I don't, if you guys wanted to say anything, go ahead, but I would like to end off with, 
you know, a moment of silence for, you know, the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman. I'm excited to see Ma Rainey, whose last movie. That's going to be uh, coming out pretty soon. I don't mm-hmm. think it's come out to net. It's go, it's going to be released on net uh, Netflix. So I'm excited to see that. And you know, I thought he did a great job on 42. But that's probably my favorite movie. It get, gets me every time. Uh, just growing up playing baseball and it was uh, Black yeah. Panther was absolutely fantastic. That's uh, just a sad, sad thing. I mean, just jumping in, um, the f- the fact that you know young kids. We're able to like have represent young black kids are able to have representation in such a big way that you know you know Marvel movies have had they've blown up and you have superhero movies everywhere and to see that I mean my nephew is mixed and and just seeing you know his eyes light up and the the love that he had from um, from seeing the movies and uh, I mean it makes me <clears throat> emotional right now. It's, I got uh, just talking about all that. It's so it, it's 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 incredibly important, and um, you know, I look forward to more of it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I I know. Growing up, I didn't have, you know, my brother and I we dug real deep for black characters like superheroes. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted to be Batman. He wanted to be Superman. There was Spider Man. You know, like we used to like gravitate around the green lantern uh you know once they made him a black character you know and it was like when black panther showed up like i remember seeing that trailer for the first time you know i had goosebumps and you know people talk about it and we take it for granted like i did not realize i did not realize that that feeling that kids got when they saw batman coming out sticking in their head like oh i could be batman or i could be superman like you know i wish i really 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 wish that i could just go back in time and grab seven-year-old obi and watch the black panther trailer with him you know like being Mm, from nigeria and just seeing that this beacon of black excellence and like you know it just i the feeling is just you know i i there's a lot of people in the Black Panther cast and like the whole idea of putting money behind that character and bringing it to light was amazing. And, you know, Chadwick did a great job in portraying that character. And that guy picked his roles very like specifically. And so he knew mm-hmm. going in what that movie would mean, um, you know, and he's going to be missed, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, this is the end of our pod. This is Papa Don't Preach. And we'll see you all next week. For me, I would say, uh, you know, there, there, there are two, um, two little kids, uh, Ian and Taylor, who um, recently passed uh, from cancer. And throughout our filming, I was communicating with them, um, knowing that they were both terminal. And, and what they said to me is, and their parents said, they just, they're trying to hold on till this movie comes. Mm. And I, 
to a certain degree, you hear them say that and you're like, like, wow, that's like, I got to get up and I got to get up and go to the gym. I got to get up and go to work. Um, you know, I got to learn these lines. I got to work on this accent. Uh, you know, seeing how devoted all of my castmates are and knowing that 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 will be something meaningful to them. But it's to a certain degree, it's, it's a humbling experience because you're like, this can't mean that much to them, you know, but seeing how the world has taken this on, seeing how the movement is, how it's taken on a life of its own, I realized that they anticipated something great. And, um, and I think back now to a kid and just, you know, uh, waiting for Christmas to come, waiting for my birthday to come, uh, waiting for a toy that was going to, that I was going to get a chance to experience or a video game. I did live life waiting for those moments. And so it put me back in the mind of being a kid just, just to experience those two little boys um, anticipation of this movie. And when I found out that they, time with it yeah it's it's it means a lot Yeah.